0: Give it some thought. (laughs) I could say something, but I'm not going to right now. Oh, yeah, that would be a draw card, I think. Anyway, well, here we are, folks. It's coming on to us real quick. We want to take the next few weeks and we want to talk a little bit about exalting Christ and uh, at Christmas. And um, we're going to be looking at a number of different things, but as we think a little bit about that, just to kind of get through some of the various things, um, so what makes Christmas special to you? I know the answer is Jesus in this house, right? Okay, that's, that's the answer. We all know that, however... We also know that it's pretty easy to have a lot of other things that come to the forefront. If you were to do a survey right now, the number one in Canadian, probably in North America, when we talk about Christmas, it is family. Is there anything wrong with family? If Christ isn't in the family, you're going to be challenged. And that's some of the, that's some of the issues We can go down through this list, and this morning we're not going to take the time, but there's all kinds of things that can take our attention away from the real reason. Can you even imagine, really, Christ without Christmas? Well, for a lot of people, it is. Now, behind me, there is a nativity scene. Those at New Brunswick Bible Institute Friday night already know this trick, but there's something missing, isn't there? Did you see that earlier? The people of God are at a very critical point as it relates to the history, not only of the world today, but right even as it relates to the history of people's church. Christ is at the very heart of what we do. However, with everything else that's going on, it's very easy for it to get shuffled off. As we think of Christmas this year, one of the things that we're going to encourage you is to have a plan. Some of you, really you're already, you don't like to see me coming, because that's usually one of the, if it's not second, it's, it's right up there. What's your plan? We can get all jacked up and excited about doing all kinds of stuff, but it's very easy, isn't it? Time goes by and the great ideas are gone. It's kind of like shopping at Costco. Any of you shop there? If you see something you like, buy it now. Because when you go back, it may not be there. A lot of times we're thinking about Christmas. Really, this time of year, how many of you still do cards? Okay? It's amazing how that really begins to drive a lot of things, doesn't it? And for some of us, if you're into the card, you'll find out that you have to do it earlier and earlier and earlier because of Canada Post. How many of you have got stuck at the end having to put extra postage onto something or worse yet, having it couriered because it wouldn't get there on time? Never had happen happened here. Leaving things to the last minute, I have found, can be dreadfully disastrous. And so this morning I want to begin thinking a little bit about planning and thinking about this. Keeping Christ in Christmas, the outcome of, leave, of leaving Christ out for Canada is just a confused, frustrated state of people. And a lot of them, economically, they're right up to their nostrils in debt because of it. One of the big things about money, and we looked at that list earlier, is the fact that everybody believes they need the money, but then some of them don't have the money, and they have to wait until January to find out just how bad it really was. Money doesn't produce anything but challenges. So as we think about it, we're going to talk about exalting Christ this Christmas, and uh, I trust that it will be an encouragement to you. As we think of a plan, this was exactly what God did, was planning, wasn't it? God planned Christmas way before. It wasn't something that snuck up on him as we began to look into Isaiah. If you have your Bibles, you might want to begin to get there because we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 9 and uh, a couple of verses there as we have been reminded of it numerous times. Again, this was prophetic. This was what the prophet was being was presenting to the people, to the nations of that day. And he was saying to them in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born. We get it. We know all the various things about his humanity. Jesus was a man. We know that he was born like a man. He had a human nature. The difference though is he was without sin. If you have your Bible, flip over to Philippians chapter 2. And again, just to be mindful of the importance of Jesus Christ. We look at chapter 2 and we begin at verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you. Which also was in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Are we glad that he was willing to do that for us? Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. talking a little bit about this in Matthew this morning in Sunday school class. The fact that this was presenting Jesus Christ to the Jews as king, but he did not demand the rightful place of that humanly. He became a servant and a slave, the example factor that we see. And so when we exalt the Christ, we exalt Him knowing who He is. And this reveals the way of God in great contrast to the way the world is presenting Christmas. I mean... Who wants to represent somebody in a humble state? I think that's why we want to blow over Christmas, because it doesn't fit with our objectives. Our Savior came as a servant, submitting himself to God, the cruel cross, selfishly abandoning his own rights for others. And God exonerates this kind of service and exalts him above all others. If God does that, shouldn't we? We also know that not only is it unto us a child is born, but the text says a son is given to us. And we understand we're talking now the deity of God. The fact that he is given by God. The fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Old Testament. God in human flesh. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us a little bit more of an insight as we think about this great gift given to us. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, we see him as our high priest. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Verse 1 of chapter 5 continues... "...for every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. But of this he's required as for the people." so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. And, verse 5, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was said, Who said to him, You are my son. Today have I begotten you the very Son of God. This reveals the nature of the high priest, not like a human high priest who offered animal sacrifices for sin. He became the sacrifice and once and for all paid the price. This could only be accomplished through the perfect Son of God. Now, folks, I don't, fully understand how this could all happen? Do you? But if God says it, that settles it. Jesus Christ, both human, both deity, both God, at the same time, came to this earth And God designed it to happen. And as the verse continues to read back in Isaiah, and it tells us that we are to look at Him, and it says that the government will be upon His shoulder. So He's a child, He's a son, and the government will be on his shoulder. He came to rule and to reign. You have your Bibles there in Isaiah. is a number of passages. We start with this one here that talks about it. But if you flip over to chapter 11, look how they presented him. Chapter 11, verse 4. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, and he shall slay the wicked. Verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the lion together and the fatling and the little child shall lead them. What kind of a kingdom is this? They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the earth. Chapter 35. Flip over a little bit there and we'll see a couple more things that it says here in Isaiah. Chapter 35. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing, the water shall burst forth in the wilderness, and the streams in the desert, and the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. It's amazing all that we begin to find out about this king and his kingdom. In verse 10, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow, and sighing shall flee away. Now go to the last book, Revelation. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Revelation, and we look at chapter 19, the whole chapter, and we're not going to read it all, but we get to this. And we begin to see the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. Verse 11, And now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. In righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Chapter 21, reading a little bit, just some background information here. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away their tears. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying there shall be no more pain the former things have passed away then he said then he who sat on the throne said behold I make all things new and he said to me write for these words are true and faithful and he said to me it is done I am the alpha the omega the beginning and the end it all began in a king-sized bed. <laughs> I like that picture. Isn't that pretty cool? A king-sized bed of hay. You'd have thought with that kind of power that was going to be given to him, it would have been something totally different than that, wouldn't you? I would have picked something different, but I'm not God. God has a particular way of doing things so that he gets the glory. And this is how. And on his way to becoming the very king of kings, we know that our king took one stop that cost him his life on this earth. What a kingdom. What a savior. Jesus Christ. The Christ of Christmas for you and I. It goes on to say, his name shall be called. But you know what, friend? I really think this is totally applicable to just those who know him as Savior. When we begin to understand him, that child and that son who becomes the king and who is truly ruling and reigning in our life now... See, it's not just a far-off kingdom. He is in us today, right? And He wants to have control of our lives now to rule and reign supreme. We get the opportunity on this side of glory to see how we like His ruling and reigning. If you are a child, then his name will be called. I believe this has everything to do with whether or not we are even capable of enjoying a Christ-exalted Christmas. It has everything to do with your relationship with him. For the believer, we come to Christmas and we celebrate the birthday of Jesus knowing him as more than a baby. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he wants us to know him by name. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at these names. Warren Worsby has kind of put them together like this, and it's kind of a good little outline that we're going to follow. And they called his name Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He can take care of the dullness of our life, the decisions, the demands. The everlasting Father means that there's no limit. The dimensions are not my little shoebox. How I think it's got to work out. God is the everlasting Father. And He takes care of the disturbances of our life to give us peace. Another way of thinking about these names could be just simply this. It becomes a proof of purchase that God provides for each of us so that we know we are his children when we can call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. question that I think as we begin this month, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be talking about Christmas. How are we going to describe Christ? That's where I'm trying to drive at. Are we going to describe Him as the baby in a manger? Or are we going to describe Him in a tangible way? and how he has worked in our lives this past year. We're going to look at that word wonderful tonight and begin working our way through, but it's amazing when you consider the wonderfulness, is that a word? Of God in our lives. Well, you got a little bit of homework there. We're going to continue working our way through the Psalms. We're almost there. And did you notice? There's only four days of homework. Can you believe that? And everybody sighs a sigh of relief. Boy, that's great. Well, I thought of something else. It's Christmas. I want to give you a gift. The men have at the back prepared a little track, and all it is is the gospel narrative. The narrative of the Christmas story from the book of Luke. I'm going to encourage you in your planning to maybe kind of wet the whistle of some people around you so that maybe they might ask you what you think about Christmas, right? And here's a simple way of doing it. It's just something I found I have a lot of fun with. You're out there talking to different people and and total strangers. And you can ask them, hey, have you ever read the Christmas narrative? And they look at you. The what? Like the real story of Christmas. You've read all the other ones. You've probably been to the movies, but have you read the book? And here is a simple little tool that you can use in this month of getting around people and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And on the back is our church telephone number and address and all that kind of thing. But you might want to put yours on there if you'd like them to call you personally. That's up to you. But what a great opportunity as we exalt the Christ of Christmas this year. So I want to encourage you to continue your Bible reading and be thinking about how I'm going to exalt Christ this Christmas with my family and friends. Do you have your plan? Let's stand together. Dear God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to be reminded of Jesus Christ at the table. And as we begin to think about the birth of Jesus Christ... On the very beginning, we know these fit so well. And God, we thank you for the change that you have made in our lives. And as we continue to think about this season ahead of us and all the, the different things that are associated with it, God, we pray that you were a perfect plan. This morning, we commit... Our brother Keith and Beth to you as in the next few minutes they will be sharing at the funeral of Keith's dad. God, we ask that you give Keith the right words to share. For those that will be listening, we pray that they would be attentive and they would hear the truth and that truth could set them free. God, we thank you for them, encourage them this morning. May they sense our prayers with them today. Dismiss us now with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.